Welcome everyone to the Heat Assist Podcast. I'm going to be your host today. I'm David. And who's joining me today? Hey guys, this is Steven. Hello, I'm Carson. And for today's episode, we got to talk about the Miami Heat playoff victory. A four-game sweep of the Indiana Pacers. And we got to dive into Game 4 and just what happened in Game 4 that led to the Heat victory. But first, I want to start off with some uh, NBA news that are Miami Heat-related. The very first one is just occurred recently we are uh, recording this on august uh 26th which is a wednesday and it's been announced that the milwaukee bucks and orlando magic uh playoff game has been postponed because the players simply did not show up uh, in in protest of um the police shooting of jacob blake so that is pretty big news for the miami heat because it gives more time for Jimmy Butler to rest up. You know, the Miami Heat are very tight-lipped about their injuries to their players, and apparently Jimmy Butler suffered a, a shoulder injury. They're exposed to us classifying as soft tissue damage um, in his in Jimmy Butler's left shoulder. And in Game 3 of the playoffs, <laughs> and he kind of re-aggravated it in Game 4, and it limited Jimmy Butler jimmy butler's uh offense and just the amount of time he played in that game with the postponement of their magic and bucks game it gives jimmy butler more time to rest up you know it pushed out the playoff series so it's beneficial for the heat because jimmy butler's the main a huge part of the miami heat um also some coaches firing that occur this week both kind of related in that two teams who are swept in the first round fired the coaches. The first one was the 76ers firing Brent Brown. And then shortly after getting swept by the Miami Heat, the Pacers fired uh, Nate McMillan. That I thought that surprising. was interesting. That was very surprising. Yeah. What I found kind of funny was I I see... I see some Pacer fans con- congratulating and taking the heat for sweeping them so they got rid of their coach like, <laughs> fans were happy about uh, moving on with a new coach. That's kind of that's kind of surprising. I mean, he took them to the playoffs four years in a row. It's not. I mean, it wasn't his fault that last year they didn't have Victor Oladipo, so they lost in the they lost to the the Celtics. But he been swept. I think it's his third time he's been swept yeah. in the playoffs. But but like he's been playing against like pretty much like the favored team every single time. This. I'm pretty sure the, well, besides the last year's, uh, last year's the Boston Celtics team, but like before that, he, he played against LeBron's Cavaliers and they beat him, and the Cavs beat him. I'm not surprised about that. I mean, it's not his fault. And it's that's not bad. all. But Seven games, no. Yes, when they were, you could say they were. That was they were. I believe they were fully healthy at that time, right? The yeah. Pacers. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but they were still outmatched though. And, and that's where I agree with Carson. It's like they're firing him after a playoff series where their main their main star player was injured, coming up an injury. Their second best player, All Star, wasn't even was injured and didn't play at all. And then their sixth man was also injured and didn't play. It's like they're severely outnumbered and three very true. But I don't know. I feel like there was a lot of blunders. They did it a, a lot of like after watching this series. Uh, I don't know. I didn't like how they closed out the fourth quarter. I didn't like how some of their 
um, starters play. Some of the plays they ran for the starters, way too much reliance on Victor Oladipo. And I feel like the offense wasn't very creative. Um, and against Rep, I mean, his overall player, playoff record of 3-16, and 16, I don't know. I mean, look how much Toronto improved after firing Dwayne Casey, who always struggled in the playoffs as well and always gets swept in the playoffs. I, I'm not... I mean, it's surprising he got an extension. I was shocked by that, but I'm not surprised he got fired. That's what makes it so bizarre as well. The extension came about two or three weeks ago. So it's very He's recently that they yeah. fired him. Yeah, yeah, that's the strangest the part. I mean, this is so weird. Yeah. What I'm more curious about is who they're going to hire to replace him. They wouldn't fire him after giving him an extension unless they already found the person to replace him. So I'm really curious who they're gonna use, who the, who they're gonna hire. So a few reports mentioned that the Pacers have always been interested in Mike D'Antoni since this is last year with the Rockets, and the Houston are expected to not renew his contract unless maybe he wins a championship, which is a big if. But that's something that's been it's been like that for a while. It's not like um, Mike D'Antoni's contract was a secret. So I. It's kind of weird that they still do the firing at such a weird timing. So to your point, Carson, maybe they do have someone in mind that, you know, they haven't really announced yet, but that would make things a lot more clearer. Maybe they have someone else other than, than Mike D'Antoni to take the head coaching job. Because I, I can understand the Brett Brown firing. He's been there for a while, and he hasn't been able to, like, seal the deal with, with the talent that he has. Like, he hasn't been able to make it work. Oh man, I I I just put the two pieces together. The Pacers are gonna hire Brett Brown. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> I'm kidding. I really don't think they would do that. But <laughs> I think the Pacer, the the Seventy Sixers should hire Nick McMillan. I don't know what you guys see in Nick McMillan. I think he deserved that firing, man. He's being <laughs> I, I think I, if, I, I give mean, if you credit, right? I'll He's, give you, yeah. You're yeah, right like, though, David, about his about his record in the playoffs, three and sixteen. That's not good. I will agree with you. If it was just that, that was the main reason, then I agree with you. And you kind of got to give him credit for Oladipo surgeons, a surgeons to All Star, and Sabonis's surgeons to an All Star as well. Yeah, because I do. Before- I mean, he he's certainly a very good regular season coach, um, but I think the Pacers are expecting more. Man, I I just don't agree with those expectations for this year. <laughs> Like I'll this say this. Year, it just—it's not fair. He did a much better job as a coach than Brett Brown. He had fewer. He had less, far less talent than what the than what the Seventy Sixers had, and he was still able to make them into a playoff team. I, I think if we put our mindset to three years ago, like when Oladipo and Sabonis' first year with the Pacers, like the Pacers were not expected to even be a playoff team mm-hmm. at all. Right. But now all of a sudden, you know, it's. They're expected to get past the heat on right. a rundown <laughs> roster. I mean, even if it even if it wasn't a um, like, I don't really care if it's a sweep, right? Because given the roster situation, now if they were fully healthy and they got a, if they got swept, that would be a problem. But um, yeah, three I years ago, we wouldn't that. be having this conversation at all. Yeah, I agree. He he definitely deserved credit for taking the Pacers and developing Old Depot and Sabonis, but I don't know. His 
his play calling, those clutch moments against the Heat, I, I find him very questionable. Some of his strategy, like I think it was in Game Three, they they had a timeout in a tight, in a close game. They need to score, yeah. and they turned it over after a timeout. How do you turn it over in clutch moments in a timeout? I don't know who to, who's to blame for that, but that doesn't look good on the coach. You know, I, it's a good point, David. Like it wasn't the best coaching. If they had won maybe two games, would that have changed your opinion? I think yeah. he, was, he probably would have I, still gotten fired. I, yeah, but I would have been less harsh on him. Like, I feel like he made very little adjustments throughout the whole series just against the Heat. It's kind of hard to argue. I don't know if there's many uh, adjustments that would have made a big impact. Maybe they would have worked uh, out, maybe not. It's hard I feel to like think. he underutilized Miles Turner. Um, I'll talk about this in the game. Yeah, uh, this game in particular was very eye-opening. I, I do agree with that. And way too much reliance on Victor Oladipo. Not re- like very little emphasis. Like two, he started going to Malcolm Brogdon way too late. Um, it should have been from the get go. Him and TJ Warren should have been the main focal points. Like oh, Victor no, Oladipo I... is taking the most. It's like one of the team leaders in shot attempts. That should not be. I thought they did. I thought that he did a pretty good job trying to uh, contain Malcolm Brogdon because they double teamed him whenever. Yes. Whenever he had the ball, they usually double teamed him. Like, yeah, they didn't want did. him to the ball, and which was which I which I said in the last time. Like, if you're gonna let somebody beat you, let every anybody else besides Malcolm Brogdon beat you. Yeah, it's, that was their game plan for the game four. And we talked about it, right? Yeah, we probably pick uh, Miles Turner from to step up and you know force him to to yeah. beat the Heat, and that's kind of what they did. And to be fair, you know we'll talk about this in our review, but Miles Turner did a pretty good job, and I think that's what I was surprised. He stepped up big time, although it wasn't enough for the Pacers to win, but he definitely played better. Yeah, well, well, I have an idea why he played better, but I'll discuss it um, as we talk about the game. But all right, let's let's go. Let's jump into the game then. I'm really curious what you what you have to say about Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, not Malcolm Brogdon, uh, Miles Turner. Yeah, I have. Yeah, I mean, he had a great game, no doubt. But um, well, and speaking of you know inflexibility, like making. Uh, Nate McMillan made a change to the starting lineup. He started Justin Holiday, uh, insert him in the starting lineup. Mm-hmm. And I assume that's for de- defensive purposes. And I think it was a good strategy because Justin Holiday was mostly guarding uh, Duncan Robinson. And I mean, this first quarter of the playoffs, it started out like most other first quarter, and the Heat were very rough. Had you know they. They always start out really slow, right? They have struggle shooting, except in game two where they where they came out firing and then tailed off in the second half. But the majority of the time, three out of four games, they struggle in the first quarter, struggle sh- uh, shooting. And their guards, uh, Duncan Robinson, Goran Dragic, and Butler, Jimmy Butler, were combined one for 10 in the first quarter. It didn't help that Jimmy Butler left with about six yeah, minutes I, left. I, I was going to say, it, but he, uh, but Jimmy Butler only took two of those ten attempts, shot yeah. attempts. So, I give him a pass because if he he if he had an injured shoulder going into the game, right? Even even if it wasn't his like you know dominant, you know part of it because he's a righty, he's not a lefty. I I still give him a pass. Oh, I understand that, that, but it it, it let I mean Duncan Robinson went one for four and Goran Dragic yeah. went over oh four. Yeah. And it was it, it was mostly Bam Adebayo and Jay Crowder oh, yeah. picking up the slack for the Heat in this first quarter. Bam Adebayo was was pretty much the main reason why they hung in there in the first quarter. Oh yeah, 
Yeah, and I, I like it. He same, same it, thing with Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder too. Both yeah, yeah. Jay Crowder made some smart plays, some good cuts into the the basket as well. Um, but I, I, to me, it seemed like Bam and Old Depot, they were very aggressive from the get go. Like just taking to the rim, uh, driving into the rim, especially Old Depot. Uh, who was the leading scorer for the Pacers in the first quarter? But what I liked from Bam was, you know, he Miles Turner tend to tend to block him when he drive it into the lane or go for layup. And so what Bam did in this game, he would drive in, but he'll pump fake it uh, multiple times just to get <laughs> Miles Turner off of him and get get a shot off. And he was able to get, you know, he made three field goals, most of it through a lot of pump fakes. But what I really like uh, from this quarter, what I like um, was. In the last game, we talked about Malcolm Brogdon because he he blew up. He blew up in the in game three, and I was very curious to see how the Heat would handle that because I feel like that's what they need to do. They need to go to Malcolm Brogdon and attack. Malcolm Brogdon can attack, you know, Goran Dragic or Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero. But it changed in this game because they tried not to let uh, Malcolm Brogdon get that favorable matchup. I and mean, it, was, it was mostly they all take turns guarding, like, Iguodala, Butler, and sometimes even Dragic and Duncan, who I think did a better job guarding Malcolm Brogdon. But what really helped was, you know, if Malcolm Brogdon beat his man or drove to the drove to the lane, Bam Adebayo will leave Miles Turner and try to block the shot. They they will basically send help at Malcolm Brogdon. And the very last play of the first quarter, Malcolm Brogdon had the ball, and even though he scored on the on the play. Um, it was the first time I saw the Heat implement the zone all series. They played zone defense. They were trying. They were, they were kind of triple teaming him. Um, Goran Dragic was guarding Malcolm Brogdon, but Bam and Andre Iguodala was hovering very close to Malcolm Brogdon. I just thought they were. They put a lot of pressure on him and made it really difficult. And it's no surprising that he really struggled in this game. I mean, I said this in the after the review of the the last game. Like, if they don't contain Malcolm Brogdon, they're they're going to have a hard time winning the game. Because mm-hmm. in every single game before, like Malcolm Brogdon has been the sole reason why the Pacers have been able to, you know, at least keep to a winnable amount, score minimum, uh, to score enough to like even have a chance to beat the Heat was because of Malcolm Brogdon. If he wasn't, if he wasn't scoring, he, he's able to facilitate. Yeah, like you can't let him. You can't let him do that. Right. Like just let anybody else beat you. Don't just don't let him beat you. And I thought they did a much better job in uh, this game than to contain him at least. Yeah, I mean they they put a lot of emphasis on him. Yep. Uh, yeah, and it worked out because they 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 Pacers had to rely on other players to step up, and it wasn't it wasn't enough. Um, but you know, it despite all that, the Pacers still had a one point lead in the first quarter. Um. 22 to 21 but in the second quarter that's when things change uh for the better for the heat and what was most surprising for me was it was the bench that really stepped up in the second quarter for the heat uh notable performance i saw was kelly olenic really blow blew up in this quarter um he was doing it through all sorts of moves like he posted up on justin holiday he posted on Posted up on Doug McDermott and did a turnaround fadeaway on Doug McDermott. Made that. He had nine points in this quarter. And it should have been 12 because he missed open corner three. What was also notable was that because Jimmy Butler sat out an entire quarter, 
uh, Kendrick Nunn saw playing time, his first appearance in the playoffs, and he started out pretty well. Um, you know, he usually starts out really aggressive, really good. It was the same way in the second quarter. He made his first two field goals, and he had two assists to Kelly Olenek. And I would say Kendrick Nunn should have had more because he missed some open threes as well. Uh, but overall, not not bad start for Kendrick Nunn. Um, I would say the problem for the Heat in this this quarter was whenever Bam Bio is out, look at how look how aggressive Miles Turner becomes. Like he became a force in the paint when Bam Bio was sitting out in the second quarter. Like he he had um, six made field goals in the paint. Four of it was with Bam out. You know, it wasn't always Kelly Olynyk guarding Turner, but he took advantage of the of Bam's absence. Like usually, when you see Bam in play, you Miles Turner will usually shoot a three. But when you see Bam out of play, he's in the post. He's grabbing offensive rebound. He's dunking it. He's layup. He's doing hook shots. It's completely different when Bam is out, and Miles Turner really took advantage of that, especially in the second quarter. But I give a. I think this is more to the limitation of Miles Turner, but there was one play in the second quarter where Derek Jones Jr. was behind Miles Turner and was able to put back, dunk over Miles Turner, grab offense rebound, and dunk it over Miles Turner all in one play. I think it just kind of shows why Miles Turner is not really a good defensive rebounder. He just doesn't have to, to me, it doesn't seem like he has the hops to really grab the rebound. Uh, but you guys notice anything else about the second quarter? Like you said, I think the main point was what I noticed was how aggressive Miles Turner was. And even though he didn't shoot too well, you could see that he was more active in trying to get uh, some sort of a field goal done or a pass or getting from foul. I did notice that he's not a good free throw shooter. <laughs> right. <laughs> which worked out really good for the Heat because um, during those times when Bam was out and we had to foul him a lot. You know, it just turned out that he would miss a lot of those free throws. So in that second quarter in particular, he went two for six mm-hmm. uh, from the free throw line. So I do want to mention something about Oladipo in the first quarter. Like his first two plays in the game were like drives contested by Bam. Mm-hmm. And he, 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 he was able to make them pretty, like pretty well, right? Mm-hmm. And then he just chose to go one for four from the three-point line. And yeah. I think it's, it was weird because he was having success. Yeah, in. I thought he'd be more aggressive with that throughout the game. And to be fair, he did shoot better from the three-point line for the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. But it it seemed every time he takes it to the hole, it seemed like he it's it's very clear advantage to Oladipo, even when Bam is on him. And I felt like if he can gravitate that sort of uh, generate that sort of gravity from the defenders because he can just cut through the Heat's defense. Now you got the whole floor open for the rest of the Pacers. But, you know, you, you, we mentioned this in previous podcasts. It just seemed like he was really stuck in that mentality uh, of just shooting threes. Yes. I would think it comes from the fact that he's still not very confident in his on his leg, his conditioning. It just seemed like the few flashes he had where he showed his athleticism, definitely much faster than anyone on, that he could keep up with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just... You know, I'm not sure if that was a play or whether Oladipo was just trying to get in a groove, which might have taken a really long time. But um, <laughs> yeah, pretty much it's Oladipo in turn. And that's what kind of stuck out to me during that first half. Well, the only thing I want to mention is the about second quarter is Doug McDermott, Doug McDermott making a three. 
And that is the the only point a bench player on the Pacers scored throughout yeah. the entire game. Yeah, they didn't go to the bench a lot. Um, and yeah, to and more to your point, Carson, the Heat bench in this second quarter they had twenty one points. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he annihilated them <laughs> pretty much. Not only that, not only that. Their be- their bench uh, got nine rebounds, nine rebounds for that uh, for the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Their starters got five rebounds, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at the Pacers, they only had seven rebounds throughout that whole quarter. Mm-hmm. That's just you're not gonna win if you're gonna only if you don't can't get rebounds. Because if you look at the rebounding for this game, it's like one of the few times I've seen the Miami Heat out rebound the team. By a huge margin. It was 60 mm-hmm. to 34. And 17 of those 60 rebounds were offensive rebounds for the Heat. That, it, it, that was such a huge reason why the Heat were able to uh, score as much, especially in the first quarter. Because they, they like David, like you said, David, they couldn't score at all. They, like, they weren't, it was slow and like tough to watch them on the offensive end. <laughs> I was going to mention this in the post game analysis, but it's a really good point. Is this, besides Miles Turner, there was, I mean, that was it, trying to right. be aggressive on the boards. Uh, and to comment on the uh, on the bench for the Pacers, the Pacers really didn't go to their bench at all. You know, before the game started, the reporter mentioned that Nate McMillan was really going to keep the rotations tight. And, you know, just to kind of emphasize that point, in the second quarter, only Aaron Holiday and Doug McDermott played in that second quarter from the bench. And they only played six minutes and 25 seconds. So, you know, Justin Holiday, Miles Turner, and Victor Oladipo were there the entire quarter, just trying to keep their best players on at all times. And I think that's kind of where uh, that's kind of where it shows how deep the Heat's bench really goes. You know, they contribute to a significant amount to make a difference, even if they're going against uh, a lot of the starters in the Pacers squad. That was a good highlight for of how deep the, uh, the Heat's bench is. Yeah, I'm not I'm like I'm not expecting the the Heat bench to like outscore the starters, but um they could at least keep the score the same amount. Mm-hmm. Like that that's that's good enough. But you know their bench led the Heat to a, a halftime lead, and in the third quarter it was still I kind of they still kind of struggle a bit. But usually in the third quarter, what we see is we usually see Goran Dragic, you know heat up usually heats up in the second half usually in the third and fourth quarter and last game uh in the third quarter Gordon Dragic was on fire it was the main you know the main vocal uh leader for the heat uh, offensive leader and I think what I saw what I saw was interesting was that TJ Warren was guarding Gordon Dragic in this third quarter uh when Dragic came in uh and play or when Dragic was playing but it still didn't matter he still let the Heat with uh, seven points, three out of six shooting. I thought that was really impressive. At least, you know, the Pacers are actually trying. They know Goran Dragic has been the the main offensive uh, threat uh, for them in the second half. And they tried putting, uh, you could argue, the best defender in Goran Dragic, but Dragic was still able to, uh, you know, still score. I thought, no, Bam Albio, um Kind of struggle offensively, but once again, his defense was instrumental. This is where he really helped out a lot on 
Malcolm Brogdon basically leaving Miles Turner and just try to alter, try to block Malcolm Brogdon at the rim. And, you know, it was crucial. And he also grabbed six rebounds in this quarter. Two like, of them yeah. offensive. Don't forget yep. that. Two of them are offensive rebounds. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, Jimmy Butler, he came back. He, he has solid. He played the entire third quarter. He was solid two out of three. He, had, he, he played good defense. I mean, for a bum shoulder, you can't ask for too much. <laughs> he had a really nice cut that Bam saw him. And he had like a, I think it was from like the corner. He came in and then he, well, I don't think he tried to dunk it, but I don't, I think his shoulder like prevented him from dunking it. Yeah. And he made two free throws. Yeah. And I thought, you know, he helped out Duncan Robinson and guarding mm-hmm. uh, Malcolm Brogdon. And I thought that he played really good defense. The biggest thing for me was just going dry, just still, you know, leading the heat being the leading scorer for the Heat in the second half. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up uh, Goran Dragic at the post-game analysis. Oh, okay. Interesting. You guys have anything else before we head to the money quarter? <laughs> Let's head on to the money quarter. quarter. Go, go, go. All right. For this, I'm, I, I, I really like what I saw from Tyler Hero in this fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he really struggled in that game three in the fourth quarter. You know, I was... I think we were mentioning how we thought he was left in there way too long, you know, trying to guard Malcolm Brogdon in that third quarter. Uh, but but the, he did an okay job guarding Malcolm Brogdon, but the Heat sent a lot of help for him. Yeah. It wasn't just a one-on-one matchup. I mean, I really like what he did in this offense. Are you talking about the one where he got two offensive rebounds in a row? <laughs> yeah. Or how he kept driving it in on Miles Turner. Yeah. Like attacking had, Miles Turner, like he wow. had one really good move on Miles Turner. He had one, I think it was like a little, like a, it was like kind of like a layup, but then it also looked like a hook shot. Yeah, he had like a what a right-handed scoop shot yeah. over Miles Turner. Like, it was wow. it was very impressive. Yeah, a very impressive shot. That sequence when he had that offensive rebound, those two offensive rebounds. Because the the Pacers in this in this quarter they they put up a fight because they they got really close. Like if you looked at the the score, they always came in pretty close, like within mm-hmm. one or t- uh one or two field goals away from at least tying it or going ahead. And Tyler Hero had that one that one sequence where he got those two offensive rebounds. He pretty much like sealed it. Like they the Heat needed to score in order to seal their victory, and he pretty much he was a big reason why they were able to pretty much take the lead in this quarter. Yeah. But he played really well. Yeah. I mean, the one play that stood out to me was the Pacers brought it down to six with under three minutes left. Malcolm Brogdon made a four-point play. Yeah. Goran Dragic, he was... I didn't, even think, I didn't even think it was a foul. Yeah, that foul was pretty <laughs> iffy call. <laughs> but, the, you know, the next play, Goran Dragic tried to shoot a three. He tried to draw a foul on Miles yeah. Turner mm-hmm. on the three-point line. Great defense by Miles Turner. Goran Dragic missed the three, but... Tyler Hero grabbed the offensive rebound, drove it in against Miles Turner, and laid it in and put the heat back up by six. And, like, I thought that was really clutch. Another minute, another great play by him in the closing minute, under two minutes, he had to guard Victor Oladipo. And Victor Oladipo drove it in. He lost a dribble and it was a turnover, but I thought Tyler Hero played good defense and keeping up with Oladipo. And maybe. Maybe even cost old people to lose focus and lose the ball. I'll, I'll but, be honest with you. I thought that was a foul. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I thought it looked like a foul to me. I don't know. I thought I figured old people just lost the ball. But to me, it looked like a, it looked like a foul. <laughs> I'll be honest. It looked like a foul to me. 
Like I, because he he had a driving lane to the basket. Nobody was able to help him. The only one in front of him was Tyler Hero. Mm-hmm. Like, and I thought Tyler Hero just wanted to foul him so he couldn't make the shot. Yeah, but it turned out to be a turnover, so it yeah, worked so, out. <laughs> I mean, I'm okay with that. But <laughs> just giving my honest opinion, I thought that was a foul. That's fair. Jimmy by play, but mostly just on defense. There was one play I really like where he tried to do a charge on TJ Warren, and he she just stripped the ball from TJ Warren, like, all in one play. Like, I thought that yeah. was superb defense um yeah i like i like what they did with guarding malcolm brogdon who was who struggled he's only one of four in this game which was that three-pointer that four-point play but mm-hmm. like whenever he got that matchup with tyler hero they will always send help and it's mostly bam leaving miles turner to help out um, malcolm brogdon and the few times the one time it didn't work was when bam helped left off miles turner and turner was able to grab the offense rebound and put it back in but for the most part that leaving just sending bam and leaving hit leaving his man i thought that was that worked out and it to be fair bam didn't always guard miles turner what i noticed too at this fourth quarter was they started bam sometimes on the perimeter uh, as well just guarding either old depot or malcolm brogdon so i guess my only other point in this fourth quarter Besides Goran Dragic blowing up as well, he's always scoring in the fourth quarter. Like he is the big reason why the Heat are heading into the second round. It's just clutch shooting in the fourth quarter. It's always consistent. Just to get back on Kendrick Nunn, you know he came back in. Offensively, I thought he was okay, but defensively, <laughs> uh, he's shown the same struggles uh, that he always showed on defense. Um, two plays that stood out to me. Figured Odadipo blew by him. Um, Andre Iguodala had to come help, and it worked because Victor Odadipo missed a shot. But then Iguodala man TJ Warren grabbed the offensive rebound and put it back in. Uh, another play was Victor Odadipo was on a baseline. He he ran towards towards the three point line. Uh, Miles Turner set the screen for Kendrick for Kendrick Nunn, and it took Kendrick Nunn. You know, any screen, any screen Kendrick Dunn runs into takes him completely out of play. Um, it led to open three by Fickler Oladipo. Um, <laughs> it's just the same struggles on defense I'm seeing from Kendrick Nunn. I'm, I mean, it is his first game back. I don't want to be too harsh on him, but I give him credit for he, he scored two points on free throws. It was a good cut to the basket, a good play, good aggressive play. So I'll give him credit there, but he definitely needs to work on his defense. But that's it for me uh, for the fourth quarter. I just wanted to point out the uh, rebounding disparity between the two teams in that quarter in particular. Mm-hmm. The Heat had 17 rebounds and the Pacers only had seven. You know, it just speaks uh, to what Carson mentioned before, how the whole game, we just felt uh, the Heat were controlling the board. The only guy that I felt was rebounding was uh, for the Pacers was Miles Turner, but you know, just one guy rebounding against a team that crashes the board is just, it's very hard to overcome. And I think that was a big reason that he were able to win, just controlling the board. Like, just look at the, the rebounds that the, the Pacers had. It was 34 the whole game. They had 34 total rebounds. But he had 17 rebounds that were offensive rebounds. That's half of what the Pacers had. Right. Odo had. Like, it, and you... If you look at like how rebounding goes, that's that's extra possessions. Especially if you're not shooting that well, because the Heat weren't shooting from the three that well. They only shot 26%, which is 
very low for the number one shooting uh, three-point shooting percentage team in the league. Like if you're allowing the the Heat to like to get those extra possessions, and then they're able to convert, you're not gonna win, man. Like the Pacers had no shot if they can't get rebounds. Like that's the only thing that that's the thing that stood out to me this whole game was just mainly the offensive rebounds and the bench. And to give some reference, Bam Bio had 19 rebounds in yeah. this game. His career high, I believe. Every Heat player that played in the game, except for Kendrick Nunn, had an offensive rebound. <laughs> Just to emphasize how you know the Heat were uh, very keen on crashing yeah. the boards, mm-hmm. and you know it definitely paid off. Yeah, but the offensive, the rebounding was a huge was a huge plus for the Heat this game. It's not going to happen again, though. Right, uh, the I, Pacers I, are not a good rebounding yeah. team. Yeah, like the Pacers are the only team that I feel that are smaller than the Heat on the East. On the Eastern Conference, like there's no there's no other team in the playoffs left that are going to be as small as the Heat now. The Heat's going to be one of the smallest teams. Anything else you guys want to mention about the fourth quarter before we go to post game? Uh, at the end, even though the you know the Heat won, and the Pacers are intentionally fouled them. I was like, going to draw and Tyler Hero both both missed the free throw. I was like, oh come on, <laughs> especially on Tyler Hero. <laughs> yeah. But other than that, yeah, my only comment for the post game is, I like how the Heat cut down the turnovers because they had a lot. I mean, throughout the series, I think they that was one of the issues they were having. But I'm glad they really cut it down for for this game. You know, no no easy buckets for the Pacers, no transition points for the Pacers. And I think that helped a lot. Yeah, that that's one of my main points I wanted to bring up in the post game analysis. How much the defense improved in this game compared to the last game, right? Mm-hmm. Remember, or I think it was um, game two where we had the scare where the Heat were shooting lights out, and then yeah. just kind of we let the Pacers catch up, and it became a really close game towards the end of the fourth quarter. And Coach Spocia said uh, during that fourth quarter interview that we're playing bad defense. You know, we just got to defend letting the Pacers score 34 points, that was, you know, that that's what got them back in the game. In this particular game, in game four, we see what the Heat's defense is capable of. You know, we only let the Pacers score, what is it, like a night, uh, like the 2000 style basketball amount of points, <laughs> 87 points. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, it's, uh, we, we put them down to 22 points in the first quarter, 20 points in the second and third quarter. And then the last quarter was 25 points. I, I think a lot of it had to do with the matchup that we had. Uh, be able to guard two of their best players and TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon with a bunch of different people. Uh, the personnel really kind of put our advantage in that defensive aspect. You know, if we can play that sort of defense at every mm-hmm. single game, I think we'll be very, very uh, scary to play against. Obviously, different matchups are going to be a little bit tougher, especially mm-hmm. with the Bucks. Very, very different team in many different levels. What I don't want to see, kind of like we saw in the second quarter, is just just because we're hitting shots, because we're a good, quote-unquote, a good three-point shooting team, that we can stop playing defense. If we let our guards down against the Bucs, that's not going to fly. We kind of saw that happen in the bubble game against the Bucs, right? It shot lights out in the first half. (laughs) They were blowing out the Bucs in the first half, but then... It's very similar to game two of the playoffs. They let the Bucks get right back in, shooting their defense collapse for the yeah. Heat. 
I, I think that's the key, right? That defensive consistency. And that's the consistency that I give a lot of praise to the better defensive teams like the Raptors, right? I've been very high on the Raptors because that intensity on the defensive end is always there, even on regular season games. And so, you know, I, I think the concern that I have for the Heat going on is, you know, just being able to play, play that high-level consistent defense, regardless if our shots are going in or not. Because now we're going to play the higher-tier teams, the better teams, the Bucks, and then maybe the, the Raptors or the Celtics. Like, we can't let our guards down. Like, these teams can just, in an instant, turn the tides of the game, even if we have a good lead advantage. Being a three-pointer three team, we're going to get hot maybe in a couple of quarters, and then all of a sudden we just won't make anything. And then we're really going to need every single possession to win. Which is going to highly, it's going to be highly dependent on our defensive intensity. That's that's the only thing I wanted to bring up. Well, the the, the thing I want to bring up is uh, Goran Dragic. I, I don't know if you guys have seen his stats for like all four games, but he has been consistent in all four games against mm-hmm. the Pacers. He's been shooting over forty percent and averaging over t- twenty points or more in each yep. game. And most He's of the damage been, being in the second half. Yep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Now, because we mentioned that uh, they postponed the games today because nobody mm-hmm. played. If anything, this also helps Goran Dragic because if you look at the oh, amount yeah. of minutes that he's played, he's played a lot of minutes. Oh yeah, especially They're since it, it is, yeah, especially for his age because he's thirty three. He, he he's been playing like thir- I think his lowest minutes in the playoffs so far was thirty three, I believe. 33 well, he played 35 in game four, so... Yeah, no, no, I'm just saying, like, the lowest amount of minutes he's oh, played okay, gotcha. playoff was, uh, I think it was uh, 33 minutes. That was the lowest amount that he's played. And he needed every minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, he's been a monster, like, this for this series. I'm hoping that it, this is going to carry over to the Bucks because they needed him in this series. They're going to need him even more against the Bucks. Yeah, I think that's a great point. And like you look at that giant knee brace he's wearing too. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, he definitely needs rest. Jimmy Butler definitely needs rest. And hopefully the magic could help us out by winning a one more game. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that that that's something I want to bring up. Like his, the amount of minutes that he's played, he needs rest. Like they need to he they need to rest him. Cause they need him at a hundred percent in order to play against the Bucks. Yeah, that's all. That's all I want to say about uh, Goran Dragic. Anything else you guys want to mention? Yeah, I think, I think just overall in the series, I thought. Just my closing thoughts is I thought Victor Oladipo took way too many shots. I thought he was still playing like he was, like the number one, like the superstar he used to be instead of the injury recovering player he is now. Uh, yeah, I thought that was their downfall. I feel like he took. He took way too many shots away from TJ Warren and Malcolm Brogdon and even Miles Turner, who they should have been focused on. But, but yeah, it's just they they don't really have much else. The the Pacers, the injuries really devastated them. I mean, just in this game was a highlight how much they're depleted. Like besides TJ Warren, Miles Turner, Victor Oladipo, Malcolm Brogdon, everyone else from on that team in Game Four, they only have six points from everybody else. So yeah, they they just they don't they don't have much else besides their starters and Victor Oladipo just took way too many shots. <laughs> I mean, then that's that's really all I have to say about this series. I feel like he was trying to like audition to like 
Oh, really? I don't, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think he's going to... He's not staying with... The firing of uh, Nate McMillan, that just proves that he, I don't think Victor Oladipo is going to stay there. I understand where you're coming from, David, being that he wasn't making a lot of his shots. But, you know, on the same note, on the same coin, they need him to have that sort of threat because otherwise it's just three people that are really getting the attention from the Heat's defense. And then it's just, I, I, I just don't, I don't see any other way for the Pacers to win. It's, it's do or die, you know. Oladipo needs to be able to take those shots as a potential star, whether he's making them or not, because they don't really have an option. Uh, you know, you go to TJ Warren, Miles Turner, or Brogdon, then, you know, you, it's kind of like what the Heat did. They identify a problem from the previous game, they shut it down. And so being able to, being able to portray Oladipo as a threat, at least, uh, I think, kind of was like the intention although he did take too many threes i think that's yeah, the issue that was my biggest issue you you brought a good point but my yeah he jacked up way too many threes in this game. i i yeah I, I wish he was more aggressive attacking the basket because i really felt like he still has that quickness it's just i you know i i can't really speak of how he feels for his leg it's kind of like what i said in the beginning they just they don't have that that offensive output to be able to keep up with the with the heat you know mm-hmm. just having four viable offensive options and Oladipo was even a maybe I think they were just kind of hoping that he would have a breakout kind of have a breakout from his injury and go back to his all-star level that's really I think the only hope they had to winning the series right what we could offer defensively against a Pacers team that doesn't have Sabonis is just I I I can't blame McMillan too much and in the sense that you know he just got fired because he got swept but I don't think a lot of other coaches could have done much better. I think I, I agree with you on that, Stephen. I don't think any coach could have would have would have done better with the amount of talent that was available to him right now, with the same talent that he had that Nick Mibola had available for that playoff series against the Heat. I don't think any coach would have done better. Maybe they would have won one game. I, I don't I think, think so. they would have been able to beat the Heat. I think one play that, that I think just emphasized how unprepared i guess or they didn't take advantage of miles turner was i i don't remember which quarter maybe I, you guys could tell me but it was one play where miles turner got switched up on duncan robinson and he didn't take he he started setting the screen with duncanson duncan robinson on him and i, I don't know if nick mcnillan yelled at him or someone on on the pacers player yelled at him but they're like telling somebody yelled at him to to get in the paint and he did <laughs> he scored but like he had Duncan Robinson on oh him, and his God. instinct was to set a screen. I don't think he. I think that was la- I think that was uh, game three. Oh, was it? But I think it was game three because I remember. I think I remember what you're talking about. Because there's one where Duncan Robinson tried to was in his back, and then he tried to front him. No, I think I think I saw it. And he got switched up on Duncan Robinson, and he scored on a play eventually. But he was his first. Instant was just to set a screen for 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 either Odipo or Malcolm Brogdon, but I just feel like the Pacers did not utilize him more when Bam wasn't guarding him because I feel like most of his points came when Bam was not guarding him, and, and they, it was often in this game because Bam will help out on containing either Malcolm Brogdon or Odipo. Also true. I, I will say this though, he Miles Turner did a pretty good job on Bam yes. the series. Oh yeah. Like the mo- most of the time when uh, Bam scored was when uh, Jakar was it Jakar Sampson? That guy's <laughs> yeah. name is. Every time I I swear every time that guy was put in and then Bam was put in, 
I could see like the light in Bam's eyes like light up. He's like, man, I'm gonna score now. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And uh, he had five I, blocks in the last game. I, I will give the, I will give some credit to Bam because he did try to figure it out at the the uh, game four. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure he was like, man, but he's blocking my shots. He needs to somehow like work on it, or, like work figure out something that he could he could do to like prevent that. And the pump fake actually pr- worked pretty well. Anything else you guys want to add? Well, that's it. I just hope the Magic could win one more game. As much as I want that to happen, uh, David? I know. It's unlikely. (laughs) It's very unlikely. Well, well, I guess that's it until uh, the second round. This is the Heat Assist Podcast. See you later, everybody.